I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the White Witch Podcast with me, Carly. Hope you are all well, witches. Today's episode is all about the Besom, but our book review today is Into the Wild Shadow Work Journal, written by Dominica Applegate. So I referenced this before, but this is a time I'm really going back into shadow work. When I took to shadow work the first time round, I literally carried out a full inventory in regards to everything that had ever happened to me that made me feel a certain way that I really wanted to unravel and process. I felt like it was time to go back in, but with specifics. This book was a book we chose within the Literary Witches Coven for one of our months, but at the time of reading it, I wasn't feeling the call to work with it as much then as I am now. This book was highly appreciated within the coven by many of the readers. They found it really helpful. One of our members, I think it was Kamia, offered up the idea to, instead of writing in the book itself, because in the book it does leave space for you to write your responses to the journal prompts, she suggested writing it in a separate journal so you can come back to the questions at different points in your life and rework through them. So in essence, it can be a great guide to work with for the rest of your life. I found the points the author raised really good. There were certain journal prompts she offers up that I hadn't even thought to explore before because of my own assumptions of knowing what some of my issues are. But it actually led me to delve into some really deep core beliefs from childhood and witness some emotions that I hadn't really realized that I'd stashed away. So her approach was good. It got me thinking about other areas that just weren't really on my radar. I also promised myself if I read a question that I instantly felt resistance to respond to, that was one I needed to tackle, that I would recognize that that's probably the one I need to tackle the most. So that's how I approached this book. It's a nice looking book. I was very drawn to it via the cover for a while. It also has some lovely quotes peppered throughout that help. I do think the journal could have more insight into shadow work at the beginning. It does delve into the basics of it, but I think that's the only thing I could say as a negative. I think it would be good to read a book on shadow work or do as much work on it externally research-wise and then delve into this journal. And I do actually have a shadow work episode if you'd like to listen to that. I am thinking about delving into this topic again on the podcast, like revisiting it. 
everyone shudders like, no, not the shadow work. (laughs) So this is an example of one of the questions that she offers up in the book. This is feeling hurt. Who is someone who has hurt you tremendously? Name the emotions you felt. Sit with those feelings for a few moments, noticing what sensations you feel in your body. Breathe through them. Can you remember a time when you were young and felt that same feeling? If so, describe that situation. What would you like to say to that person? Remember, as you write, that you are not your emotions. Do your best to witness as an observer. Feel the sensations in your body as you relax. Feel the intensity decrease as you observe. And also one of the quotes, as I mentioned, the quotes throughout are really beautiful. They really do get you thinking too. When we find ourselves in a midlife depression, suddenly hate our spouse, our jobs, our lives, we can be sure that the unlived life is seeking our attention. When we feel restless, bored or empty, despite an outer life filled with riches, the unlived life is asking for us to engage. To not do this work will leave us depleted and despondent with a nagging sense of ennui or failure. As you may have already discovered, doing or requiring more does not kill your unease or dissatisfaction. Neither will meditating on the light or attempting to rise above the sufferings of earthly existence. Only awareness of your shadow qualities can help you to find an appropriate place for your unredeemed darkness and thereby create a more satisfying experience. To not do this work is to remain trapped in the loneliness, anxiety, and dualistic limits of the ego instead of awakening to your higher calling. That's Robert A. Johnson. I am beginning to work on my own witchy shadow work journal currently that I hope to release for the autumn. This will be focused on the dark divine feminine, shadow work journaling points, tarot spreads, shamanic practices, meditations that can assist you on your shadow work journey. I will keep you posted in relation to that and when it comes out. Join me after the break to talk all about the Besom. Witches have always been depicted with a broomstick. Also called besoms, they have a long history within magic. And I know many a witch who still keeps and uses one today within their craft. We first referenced witches and their broomsticks on the Bewitching Poisonous Plants episode, where witches were said to have anointed the broomstick's end with the flying ointments they created and inserted it into their nun or their vagina to save them from vomiting by ingesting it orally. These flying ointments contained hallucinogens and this resulted in witches' visions of flying or astral projection. And that's about as far as we've got with the Besom, so I thought we needed to address this. The Besom is said to be sacred to both the goddess and the god. The god through its symbolic phallic shape the goddess through its three-piece makeup, so the shaft, bristles, and the binding cord, which of course relates to the triform aspect of the goddess. Besom and broom are two names used interchangeably. 
There is little difference in their definition. A besom's brush is usually made of twigs and therefore more round in shape. A broom's brush is primarily made of straw and flatter in shape. Besoms were traditionally made from three different woods. The shaft made from ash, the twigs from birch and willow strands for the binding cord. Ash offering protection and command over the four elements. Birch as a purifier and draws spirits to your service. Willow being sacred to the goddess and binds all these properties together as one. More modern day besoms are also made from oak for added power and protection. Pine for luck and health. Redwood for longevity. Maple for love and money. Walnut for health and wisdom and cinnamon for spirituality. In the dark ages, women were susceptible to accusations of witchcraft. A broom was a tool of the home that was used pretty much daily. And in witch trial documents, there were many confessions of witches who confessed to witchcraft and using their brooms to travel to their sabbats. Essentially, the besom has a main purpose of purification. Physically, the broom has the practical use of sweeping away dirt and debris. We can also use a besom in the magical sense to sweep away negative energy from our sacred space or home. Some traditions insist that the witch's broom is purely used for magical cleansing and another should be used for physical cleansing. In some folk magic, the same broom can be used for both house cleansing and the spiritual purification of a space. It can be used for not only cleansing a space, your home, but also an object or person from a negative energy and bring peace and prosperity to the witch's home. So it can pretty much double up as a wand. In order to cleanse your home from negative energy, I read in one account that you could take your besom and begin at the back door of your home. Sweep each room moving in a counterclockwise fashion from room to room, then finish up at your back door where you began. Sweep any debris out the back door and that to sweep or dump dirt out the front door allows the negative energy to return back in. When cleansing your sacred space, you might want to concentrate on this when you are about to begin a ritual. So this is carried out by allowing the broom to hover its bristles above the floor. Sweep slightly above the floor so the bristles do not make contact with the floor and move in a deer seal, so a clockwise circular pattern. I have a besom that I use for my altar alone that I keep by my altar, but it's not used for physically cleansing my home. I rely on my Hetty, my pink hoover for that, modern day witchcraft. So I researched and found that before casting, witches might walk deer seal around their circle space and holding the besom a few inches off the ground, sweep outward from the center. I've always swept deer seal, but I will leave it to you to decide which you think is more fitting. This can be applicable for your house cleanse or and your magical energetic cleanse for your altar. 
For me, though, it would be Diacil as I feel the broom takes on the purification cleansing activity anyway as a tool. And the direction is to bring in the good energy for me. But it also makes sense to me to do it counterclockwise, so Widdishans in a banishing sense. So basically from here on, the podcast information I'm going to give you comes directly from one amazing website that I found called Good Witches Homestead. Her article was so in-depth and outstanding and I could only piece together some other aspects of the Besom from other websites but they had mostly referenced this lady's research. I will put a link in the show notes to her website if you want to take a look. So she offered up this wonderful Besom chant. Whilst you sweep with your broom, you might wish to use this. Besom, Besom, sacred broom, sweep out darkness, sweep out gloom. Rid this sacred, hallowed ground of demons, imps, and hell-bent hounds. Then set ye down on her green earth by running stream or mistress hearth till called once more on Sabbath night to cleanse once more this sacred site. So sweeping the area with a besom can be done in addition to or in place of incense, to purify ritual space and is often used for such when rituals are conducted in smoke-free areas. When not being used in ritual, this website says you should place your magical besom by the door to protect the home from evil spirits and negative energies. When standing a besom, always place the bristles up with the shaft on the floor. This not only makes the bristles last longer, it will also bring you good luck. Another old custom was to place a besom outside the door. This is an indication to other witches that the occupants are out or working and didn't wish to be disturbed. So to make your own traditional besom, you will need the following. A length of ash approximately four foot long and about one inch thick for the shaft. Birch twigs about one to two foot in length to act as the bristles. Several strands of willow for binding the bristles to the end of the shaft. A pair of scissors, water and salt. Soak the birch twigs and willow strands overnight in warm, lightly salted water to make them pliable and allow them to dry slightly before using. They need to be damp and pliable before binding them to the ash shaft. Arrange the twigs alongside the shaft about three to six inches from the bottom. Larger twigs form the center of the brush with shorter ones around the outside. Then bind them with the willow strands. Be sure to tie them very securely. Use as many layers of twigs as you like, depending on how full you want the brush to be and leave overnight to dry. So whether you make your own besom in the traditional way as above, or purchase a ready-made one, you might want to decorate it, you might want to give it a magical name, or other meaningful symbols or sigils. Once decorated, this besom can be consecrated, ready for use in your magical workings, 
And to do this, you could anoint the besom with oil whilst reciting the following chant. So this is a consecration chant. Besom of birch and willow tide, be my companion and my guide. On ashen shaft, by moonlight pale, my spirit rides the windy gale. To magical realms beyond both space and time, to magical lands my soul will sail. In the company of the crone I'll ride, this besom of birch with willow tide. So do I consecrate this magical tree, as I will it, so mote it be. The author is unknown for that, but I will put that into the show notes. So once consecrated for use in the magic circle, it's said that it should not be used for any other purpose. When making a besom for normal household usage, it can still be magically charged for that use. So on this website, they say that on one side of the shaft from the bristles traveling upwards, you might want to carve the following words while visualizing your intent. And those words could be, I sweep out evil and poverty. On the opposite side of the shaft, so from the top traveling down to the bristles, they suggest you might want to carve, I sweep in money and luck. When sweeping, visualize the same intent, but it's said that you should sweep towards the fireplace if you have one. If not, sweep in any direction, again, except towards the front door, so as not to sweep out and lose your good luck. So some myths and folklore in regards to the Besom. Most people identify the besom with the old wedding ceremonies when couples jumped the broom to cross the threshold of their new homes, ensuring fertility, domestic harmony, and longevity. This custom continues today in modern hand fasting rituals when as part of the ceremony, the bridal couple will jump across a decorated besom as confirmation of their commitment to each other. Should the marriage not work or end in divorce, jumping the broom backwards will break that commitment. The age-old image of witches flying around on broomsticks, casting baneful spells, is believed to have come from old fertility rites associated with nature and agriculture. So as part of the seasonal spring rites to aid the growth of newly planted crops, women from local villages would gather around fields with their besoms placed between their legs as they circled the field, much like riding on a hobby horse. The idea was the higher they leapt, the higher the crop would grow. In Renaissance times, according to demonologists, the devil himself presented brooms and flying ointment to newly initiated witches so they could fly to the Sabbaths that old chestnut. Often they carried with them familiars in the shape of demons or animals. They were also said to fly across fields, blasting their neighbor's crops or ride out to sea in order to rise up storms. However, such concocted myths were generally forced from the poor tortured victims of the persecutions and of course should not be taken seriously. 
So some other magical uses, placing a broom across a doorway allows your departed friends and family to speak to you if they so choose. As long as the broom remains, they can communicate freely. To bring rain, stand outside and swing a broom in the air over your head. (laughs) If lightning blows your way, put a broom on your porch to act as a lightning rod. I mean, I'm not going to recommend you do that, but this is obviously, you know, some of the tradition in regards to the broom. So, yes, for safety reasons, again, you know, I have to say, please yeah, you do what you're going to do, but just wow. Electricity and lightning are thought to be attracted to brooms. Another way to safeguard a house against lightning strikes is to cross a spade and a broom outside the main entrance. A besom placed under the bed or beneath the pillows at night will protect the sleeper from nightmares and ensure a peaceful sleep. Similarly, it is not wise to leave a bed empty for too long. It's said that if you are going away for any length of time, place a besom in your bed, laying the bristles on the pillow. This will guard the bed against evil spirits until you return. Two crossed besoms hung on a wall or the back of a door will protect the house from unwanted influences with the exception of those used exclusively for magical purposes. Moving an old besom into a new house will result in bad luck. Again, this is all, you know, do as you will. I'm not saying that you have to stick to this. I'm just giving you the lowdown on some ancient broom law. And as witches, this is some ancient broom law that has been passed down. Again, this is on the website that I adore. I think he's brilliant. I'm going to put in the show notes. This is some ancient broom law that has been passed down to us from those wonderful crones of the past. Number one, never leave home for long periods of time without telling your broom. Number two, treat your broom as you would any other member of your family with honor, reverence and respect. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Number three, magical brooms are not regular cleaning brooms and should not be used for such mundane tasks. Again, this varies in different accounts that I've seen in folk magic. We see it used for both. Do as you will. Number four, never leave your magical broom outside your cast circle. Number five, speak with your broom as you would speak to other members of your family or coven. Number six, never leave your magical broom outside in the weather unless you ask the broom first. Number seven, oil your broomstick with every turn of the wheel. 
So brooms have long been known for their magical ways, probably due to its shape, use in purification rites and kinship with magical wands and staffs. The common household tool has been known to be so sacred that in many parts of the world there are broom deities. So there's Sio Ching Niang, the lady with the broom who lives in the broom star. When there is too much rain and the crops are threatened, it is not uncommon in China to see pictures of brooms hanging on the front door of fences to bring clear and sunny weather to the field. As this is invoking the great earth goddess herself, the broom star is the fertile womb of our great goddess and thus she gives us life of the fields that are represented by the cornfields. Hence the broom is brought into our homes from the womb of the goddess. In Mexico, the witch goddess, and there's literally no point in me pronouncing this because I'm just going to... Uh, butcher it and I've looked up pronunciations but I'm going to try my utmost Tlazoi Teotl is depicted riding on a broom I'm so sorry if that's a goddess that you work with if you are in the Mexico area but yes this is a witch goddess who is depicted riding on a broom this symbolizes the coming of the night the dark part of ourselves the growing darkness of the winter if you are familiar with this goddess, please do write in and tell me how it's pronounced so I can be far more respectful. The priests in South America have been known to burn offerings of owls and snakes. These were offered at the dark moon. Through these offerings, the people were calling upon the broom witch to sweep away their transgressions. So let's look at the care and feeding of a magical broom. When you first get your broom, it's said that you should always greet it by rubbing your hand over the entire staff of the broom. Learn the body of your broom. Inspect its divots and curves. Use anointing oil to open and activate your broom. So a good oil is made from rosemary, thyme, myrrh and lavender in the base oil. And it's said that you can make this oil by the full moon and then open your broom on the first day of the new moon. So other things that I saw on the site, it said that when you get a new broom, you might want to talk with it for a while. This witch actually carried it along with her in her car. She slept with it by her bed. She says to talk with your broom. It's amazing how much these magical tools have to say to us and how lonely they become when cast to the side. After your broom has been chosen and spoken to, then start using it to call in your circle. This witch points the broom in the direction that she's casting and uses this to focalize the energy. Once the circle is cast, then lay the broom to the east to guard the entrance until your magical work is done. And I really like that concept. I'm going to do that. So she also sprinkles salt in the east over the broom to strengthen the seal, especially if she finds herself doing some intense spell casting. Once she's done with casting her magical work, she believes you should thank your broom and lift it from east and dismiss the quarters. A broom can also be used to cast a circle in a hurry, much the same way a staff can be used. 
It said that if you know you need immediate protection, point your broom to east and cast a circle with your broom pointed to the earth, moving in a clockwise direction. It said that this can be great if you are in a hurry and need to have some sacred space like immediately. I've had one occasion where I've had to do that so urgently and it was very intense. So I like that concept. So this witch says that she oils her broom handle with anointing oil four times a year during each turn of the wheel and that this helps recharge the broom and helps you to reconnect with it as it likes to be stroked and caressed. Your broom is a sensuous creature and likes to be part of the divine feminine. And actually, seamless link, I'm going to say it now. If you are interested in joining Patreon, our theme for this month is the Wild Witch. We are looking at the Dark Divine Feminine and there is a workbook on there so you can look at where you are at with your relationship with it currently, what you might want to work on. But yes, I'll put the link in the show notes for that, seamless link. Sorry, you had to add that in. So I have some broom spells that you might want to try from this website. The first one is the Come To Me Broom Spell. It says that on a warm night or turn the heater up, put on some goddess clothing, loose and feminine. But again, you might want to put on your god clothing. So whatever makes you feel in your highest self energy, put on some soothing music that makes you want to dance. Now take your broom as if it were your beloved and dance with the broom until you are flying into the arms of your beloved. And it said that you should whisper this four times to yourself. By night's light, we shine bright. By sunlight, we are right. By day's end, we are together by sacred right. Now cast your circle by laying your broom in each quarter. Lay the broom to the east and jump clockwise over it. Lay the broom in the south and jump clockwise over it. Lay the broom in the west and you guessed it, jump clockwise over it. Then lay it in the north and jump over it. Once you have completed your circle, your beloved will come to you within 24 hours. And you can use this spell to mend fights. Or if you don't have a mate, you can use this to call a mate to you. So this is a sweeping spell. It said that if you feel your life is in chaos, take a look around at your front porch and front walkway. If the front walk is cluttered with leaves and dirt, sweep your walkway and your front porch clean with your magical broom and envision that your life is in order and that all that comes to you will be clean and cleared. It's said that when you move from one house to another, it's always good to change your broom Either burn your old one or make sure that it is buried with honour. Again, do as you will. I know some witches that can think about doing that. Always bring a new broom into the new house, but sweep some dirt from the outside in before you sweep the dirt from the inside out. And this is said to bring in good luck from the beginning and not push your luck out the door. So it said, always hang a broom by the front door for protection. Brooms will keep the bad things out and the good things in. You might want to have a broom at every door of your home. 
is said that you should always stand a broom on end with the brush facing up because this helps with the wear and tear on the brush. And it's also said to bring love from the earth through the broomstick and give it up to the heavens through the brush. If your broom falls from your hand while you are sweeping or doing other work, make a wish before you pick it up. It's also said that if a broom falls from its kept place, company is coming and it's not good news. When you pick up your broom after something like this happens, sweep the energy out the door and bid it adieu not to return again. If you or your kin are having lots of nightmares or night hauntings, sweep the room clockwise while stating that all that lies between here and the other world be gone and back whence you came. Hither, hither, hither gone. Hither, hither, hither gone. Hither, hither, thither gone. So mote it be. Now stand the broom outside the bedroom door and place a piece of garlic under the bed. This is some hand fasting and marriage broom law. So the lady that wrote this Bessem article is a priestess and Wiccan minister. She performs several hand fasting rites per year. One of the main things she encourages Wiccan engaged couples to do is to find a broom together. This is the symbol of hearth and home. Once the broom has been found, then it is anointed then some of the broom brush is pulled from the stem. That brush is then woven together and placed upon the wedding altar. So they have the broom present during the counselling sessions before the ceremony. The wife-to-be is usually the keeper of the broom until the wedding. This represents that she is the keeper of the home and keeps peace and harmony while the man goes out to work. I know, I know, but this is based on Celtic law from more than 600 years ago. So it's very unmodern in terms of who does what in this setup. So if you are in a same-sex couple or just want to change things up, maybe you are the woman that goes out to work and your hubby is at home. Therefore, he looks after the broom. Do with it as you will. So whoever is the keeper of the broom is said to be the keeper of the magical power of the home. The night before the wedding, the couple will dress the broom by weaving three strands of coloured ribbon around the handle. And what this represents is the intertwining of their lives and they themselves are no longer individuals, but are part of each other. The broom is then placed either standing by the altar or placed lying under the altar during the ceremony as the vows are said, the promises made, that hands fasted, they are pronounced husband and wife or wife and wife or whatever, and the broom is then put before them as the final test of love. The couple either steps or in the old tradition jumps over the broom. This is the final end of the ceremony. Then it is recommended that the couple takes the broom home and makes love with the broom under the bed and this seals the marriage. 
So really, the broom can be your best friend and your magical ally. Treat it with honor, reverence and respect and you will have a lifelong companion and ritual tool. The traditional companion of the witches was the enchanted broomstick used for their wild and unholy flights through the night and probably to some distant witches' Sabbath. This is one of the first images that we often get to see as a child and this was doubtlessly believed by the prominent rulers of Europe. The number of actual confessions of witches doing so is remarkably small. Usually confessions state that they went to the Sabbath on foot or on horseback. Legends of witches flying on brooms go back as far as the beginning of the common era. The earliest known confession of a witch flying on a broom was in 1453 when Guillaume Edelin of St. Germain and Ley near Paris stated that he had done so. In 1563, Martin Tulof of Guernsey said to have seen his aged mother straddle a broomstick and whisk up the chimney and out of the house on it, saying, go in the name of the devil and Lucifer over rocks and fawns. He clearly didn't like his mother. In 1598, Claudine Boban and her mother, witches of the province of Franche-Comte in eastern France, also spoke of flying up the chimney on a broomstick. The belief of flying off through the chimney became firmly embedded in popular tradition, although only a few people ever mentioned doing so. It has been suggested that this idea was connected with the old custom of pushing a broom up the chimney to indicate the absence of the housewife. The Germanic goddess Holder or Hole is also connected with the chimney. Other indications that lead to the popular belief that witches actually flew on broomsticks can be found in an old custom of dancing with a broom between the legs, leaping high in the air. In Reginald Scott's book, The Discovery of Witchcraft, you know the one, published in 1584, we find a similar description. At these magical assemblies, the witches never failed to dance and in their dance, they sing these words, ha, ha, dive, dive, dance here, dance here, play here, play here, Sabbath, Sabbath, great lyrics. And whilst they sing and dance, everyone hath a broom in her hand and holdeth it up aloft. Scott quoted these descriptions of witch rites from a French demonologist. Jean Bowden, who made observations of a kind of jumping dance riding on staffs. These customs might have contributed to the popular picture of broomstick riding witches through the air. In 1665, from the confession of Julian Cox, one of the Somerset Coven mentioned that one evening she walks out about a mile from her own house and there came riding towards her three persons upon three broom staves, borne up about a year's and a half from the ground. Two of them she formerly knew, which was a witch and a wizard.
Some authors claim that the oldest known source of witches flying on broomsticks is a manuscript called Le Champion des Dames by Martin Lefranc, 1440. This might be one of the oldest images representing a hag on a broomstick, but it is certainly not the first. A wall painting from the 12th century in Schleswig Cathedral, Germany, shows the Norse dirty Thrig riding her staff. If we really dig a bit deeper into history, we'll find that from the Roman world, there are reports that mention witches flying on broomsticks, as well as having used ointments as early as the first century. So on this account, it says they were called straight, meaning barn owl, but I'm not sure on that. And I tried to look a bit further into that because I'm thinking of the Strager. And the Lamiae from Greek culture had similar characteristics. Later in Roman history, the goddess Diana was the leader of the wild hunt. So this is a section from Canon Episcopi. It is also not to be omitted that some wicked women perverted by the devil, seduced by illusions and phantasm of demons, believe and profess themselves in the hours of the night to ride upon certain beasts with Diana, the goddess of pagans, and an innumerable multitude of women, and in the silence of the dead of the night to traverse great spaces of earth and to obey her commands as of their mistress, and to be summoned to her service on certain nights. Similar beliefs existed in many parts of Europe. From Norse mythology, we know that the army of women led by Odin called the Valkyries were said to ride through the skies on horses, collecting the souls of the dead. In continental Germanic areas, the goddess Holder or Hol was also said to lead the wild hunt and is connected again to chimneys and witchcraft. Then we have Birchda or Perchda, another Germanic goddess who can be identified with Holder who has similar characteristics. Again, in Celtic traditions, the horned god Canunus and or Herm the Hunter was the leader of the wild hunt. And we have the Scottish witch goddess Nick Nevin, who was also said to fly through the night with her followers. Eastern Europe sources also have a wealth of folklore about witches flying through the air. So flying through the air evidently was a deeply rooted mythological theme associated with the free roaming of the spirit, the separation of soul and body. So the symbolism of the broomstick is a female and male symbol. The rod which penetrated the bush, its symbolism and interpretation is therefore purely and very sexual. There are hints of its use as an artificial penis or dildo. In a curious old book, A Dictionary of Slang, Jargon and Cant, by Albert Bass and Charles Godfrey Leyland in 1897 to 1899, we are told that the slang term in those days for a dildo or artificial penis was a broom handle and the female genitals were known vulgarly as the broom. To have a brush was to have sexual intercourse. 
Noteworthy is the evidence from witch trials mentioning the cold, hard member of the devil himself. In 1662, I need to grow up and stop giggling, Isabel Gowdy, accused of witchcraft, made a confession which could suggest that some sort of artificial phallus of horn or leather may have been used. His members are exceeding great and long. No man's members are so long <laughs> and big as they are. He is a meckle, black, rough man, very cold. And I found his nature as cold within me as spring well water. He is abler for us that way than any man can be. Only he is heavy like a malt sack a huge nature, very cold as ice. So once again, I must reference this article from the Good Witches Homestead. I'll put a link in the show notes. The article states her grandma was a broom witch and wow, does she know her stuff? Please check out her website. There is a huge list of broom lore. It is really long. I didn't want to go through it. It's really old superstitions and so on, but it makes some fantastic reading. That is all I have for you today, witches. I will be back soon. You can find details in the show notes in regards to my books, in regards to Patreon, any links that I've mentioned in the show. If you could leave me a review, I'd be ever so grateful. It means that more witches can find the show. But I will catch up with you all soon. Lots and lots of witchy love. <laughs>